Hi, this is Dominic Preziosi, editor of Commonweal. Novelist Eun Lee's latest book is Tolstoy Together, 85 Days of War and Peace, in which she took readers with her through Tolstoy's famous novel. She also joined with readers around the world for an online book club during the pandemic year in which they read War and Peace. Our literary editor, Anthony Domestico, is here to talk with Eun Lee on this episode of the Commonweal Podcast. Hi, Tony. It's good to have you here. Good to be here, Dominic. So you got to talk to Eun Lee. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about her. Sure. So Eun Lee is a novelist, a short story writer, a memoirist, and a professor of creative writing at Princeton. She was born in Beijing, and she moved to the United States at the age of 24 to study immunology at the University of Iowa. After she finished her degree, though, she actually enrolled at the Writer's Workshop there, and she's been publishing lovely, kind of quiet stories and novels that resemble Chekhov and their purity and sadness ever since. And that Chekhov reference is intentional because she loves Russian literature. She's read Tolstoy's great 1869 novel, War and Peace, over a dozen times. And when the pandemic hit in 2020, like many people, she was looking for something familiar. So she went back and decided to reread War and Peace. Only this time, she, with the help of the Brooklyn Literary Magazine, a public space, invited others to do it with her. So every day, people from around the world would read about 12 pages of War and Peace. Eun would post some thoughts on the website of a public space. And then there would be an active conversation on Twitter about the reading for the day. And it gave many people, Eun, myself, I took part in it, a structure for those first really unmoored months of the pandemic. So, you know, War and Peace, obviously, everybody has heard of it, and many people have read it, but many haven't. It's kind of always been thought of as sort of this daunting undertaking. So how, how did it all go for you during the course of this? Yeah, so, I mean, War and Peace is kind of famously impossible to summarize. It's sprawling and, and filled with particularities, just like life is. But it's a novel set during the Napoleonic War that centers really on three major characters, a young woman named Natasha, her imperious suitor, the soldier, Andre Balkonsky, and Andre's friend, the bumbling Pierre. And I think there is a, a somewhat common misconception that War and Peace is a really difficult read or that it's a slog because of its length. It is a really long novel. But if you give yourself over to it, it's not just a great novel, and it is a great novel. It's a deeply, deeply pleasurable novel. It's funny, it's smart, it's moving, it's strange. And it gives us access really to, to all of life, which we all need in the early months of the pandemic. You know, we, we see the idiocies of war, we see the attractions and boredoms of peace and, and really everything in between. And Tolstoy is, is wonderful in War and Peace and, and elsewhere on surfaces. So he gives us the, the feeling of what the world looks and smells and, and, and just gives us more life than almost any other novelist. But he's also great on souls, on kind of deep inner life. And it's this dual focus that makes the novel so great. And Virginia Woolf has a a wonderful quotation about Tolstoy that I think puts it best. She says, what his infallible eye reports of a cough or a trick of the hands, his infallible brain refers to something hidden in the character so that we know his people, not only by the way they love in their views on politics and the immortality of the soul, 
but also by the way they sneeze and choke. And again, in the early months of the pandemic, when we didn't have access to other people, it was a, a real delight to have access to the, the rich life that is War and Peace. Well, great. Let's listen to your talk. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Dominic. Ian, thanks so much for being here with us on the Commonwealth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So could you tell us a little bit about the genesis of Tolstoy together? You know, how do you first came to it and why you thought War and Peace would be an appropriate choice for this collective reading project? Yes. So it started at the beginning of the pandemic. I think we started on March 18th. But it was around mid-March when we went to lockdown. I thought people would have a difficult time just focusing on things. And I thought it would be fun to read a long novel together slowly. So at the end of the long novel, we will be exiting the pandemic. So that's when I started to think maybe War and Peace would be a good novel to read together. It has different moods and different molds, right? So it was it has enough variations of themes. And so we settled for a war and peace and we thought 10 to 15 pages a day would be a perfect, you know, half an hour reading, not too demanding, but there was just a consistent pacing. War and peace has one thing is, you know, there are 550 characters in the novel <laughs> and we are following multiple major characters and they're seven-year, eight-years journey from 1805 to 1812. And there's the peace part, which is really just high society having parties and dinners. And then there's the war part. The, the interesting thing about War and Peace is the book can be read in so many different ways. You know, you can, some people read for crafts reason. You know, Tolstoy is a good craftsman for writing. Some people read for a history. Some people read for, you know, love story. There are two great love stories in the War and Peace. So it offers different readers different things. And it feels to me, it really the novel feels to me a meadow. You know, we're all little bees. We all go out to the meadow and we gather our own pollens and honeys and we come back and make a big pot of honey together. So that, I think, for that reason, I think War and Peace is probably the best novel because other novels can be read in one way or two ways. Rarely you can find a novel that can be read in a hundred ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the delights, I think, of reading together was noticing together the minor characters who stick in your minds, right? And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how... Well, reading War and Peace gave us access to other people at a time when we didn't actually have access to other people. Yes. And if you look at, you know, War and Peace opens at a party where 20, 30 people gathered and they all have very long and unfamiliar names to us readers, right? It's like us going to a party. And then you have Pierre as our stand-in. He doesn't know anyone. He's bumbling around. And he's listening to conversations. He's looking at people. And I, I think you're exactly right. I think it is a time when we are so isolated. Well, well, last year, when we were so isolated, all of a sudden there was this richness of social life going on in the novel. 
And that richness, we almost could just be part of it. We could be just listening to these characters and especially minor characters. You write in the introduction to the book version of Full Story Together to read unhurriedly as one must live unhurriedly with imagination, which is akin to reverie. And I love that idea of Tolstoy together in a reading project like this being both a discipline, right? So something you do every day, you sit down for a half hour and you read every day, even on a day maybe when you don't feel like it, but also it's resemblance to something like reverie, right? to something like daydream. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how it is both discipline, but it's also a way that you lose track of time, right? You fall into the pages and lose yourself. Yes. Yes, you were absolutely right. I feel like this probably was true for many people during the pandemic. The hard thing is we had so much time, but we couldn't focus. We couldn't concentrate on something because we were agitated. We were uncertain about the future. We were uncertain about our life. Devoting our time to a novel that we did not have to finish tomorrow. We did not have to finish the next day. I feel like there's something about war and peace can be read like bread and butter. We can go back every day, have a little bit of bread and butter, but we don't have to binge eating because it's not like a platter of oysters, right? It's not some exotic food. food. So I, I think that's consistent. The discipline part, it is just, we can just go there for the same thing every day. And that, I think, I would think that's, that's how living is. We just need to have some sort of structure because life is so full of uncertainties and, you know, agitations. You know, anything we can hold on to is a good structure for life. And then, of course, there's a reverie. One piece, one thing, it's a page turner. It's something that you can, because the novel is so vast and so interesting, you can get lost. You can allow yourself the luxury to get lost a little. So that is the reverie. That's our daydreaming with Tolstoy. We're seeing the world through his eyes and he's the best seer. Yeah. And so I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit from you about the collective nature of Tolstoy together, because in a certain way, the project seemed to offer a very different kind of reading practice from how you normally read, how I normally read, right? Reading as an act of privacy. So I'm wondering how, well, seeing Tolstoy through hundreds, thousands of different eyes as you did in Tolstoy together has affected your own kind of reading practice. It has. I think, you know, I must say it's probably one of the most illuminating experiences I have had with reading. As you say, oh, I'm a private reader. We read to have our own world. But then I think this, the nature of Tolstoy together is to really constantly communicating with other readers, many other readers. And, and I think it has changed my view of reading a little. Or it has changed my view of even writing a little. I, I think as a writer, I tend to think, you know, we have to be as private as a reader, right? Just to build up a world around myself. So not to have the external, you know, influence, but just to see how readers react to Tolstoy. And I, I feel that I have learned how to read Tolstoy from other readers. It's teaching me a new way of reading. As one is just no hurry. We're just, we're going to read at the same pace. Two is 
really, there's always things we're going to miss and something else is going to see. And that to me, I, I think I talk about blind spots sometimes. I feel that one of the biggest things for myself is I'm very aware of my blind spot as a reader and my blind spot as a writer. I feel this experience also together is really one rare experience of having my blind spot taken away from me very gently by other friends, by other, you know, kindred spirited readers. So I feel that I have a smaller blind spot now. And we just talked about how Tolstoy together in a certain way was quite different from your general reading practice, from our general reading practices. One way in which it resembled your general reading practice is that you're a, an inveterate rereader, right, of War and Peace. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit of how, how many times have you read War and Peace at this point? And what is it that brings you back to text again and again? What is it that a rereading offers to you that might not be possible in an initial read? Yes. For War and Peace, this is probably my, I think this is my 15th time reading the novel. And there's something beautiful about the old your time to a book like War and Peace over years. I think there, I would say there are different layers of things happening while I reread War and Peace. I mean, other than the initial reading the first time, which a lot of people read last year for the first time, I had exactly the same you know, reaction. Of, I couldn't remember the character's name. I have to go back to this. But other than that, I think rereading, one thing is, it is a way to have a conversation with myself at different stages of my life. And I heavily annotated War and Peace in each reading. Five years ago, I would write this down, and now I would not understand why I was writing that on the margin. It was almost like retracing memory, looking for myself in that reading. So now, 15 years later, I feel that it's a constant conversation with myself changing my mind, recreating ideas. So that's, it's becoming part of my life. So I can see in each reading during which period in my life, I have different reactions to the book. One of my favorite books of aesthetics is Elaine Scarry's On Beauty and Being Just. And she has this lovely essay at the beginning in which she talks about the importance of being wrong about beauty. And she says, quote, Beauty brings one face to face with one's own errors. Momentarily stunned by beauty, the mind before long begins to create or to recall and in doing so soon discovers the limits of its own starting. And I'm interested to hear if in that, in the particular rereading that gave rise to the book, both go together. If you found yourself thinking I was wrong about certain aspects or in particular about certain characters. I, yes, I think I was wrong about Andre, you know, one of the key characters. I, for the longest time, I just had this innate resentment of him from beginning to end. There was a distance between me and him as a character. I just, I was very judgmental, you know, speaking of not wanting to be a judgmental person. I was a very judgmental reader of Andre throughout my own reading. Last year, I was a little taken aback at the beginning. How other readers really love him. <laughs> it was quite, it was actually astonishing to me. I thought, oh my God, people like him. He's a likable character. It's not to me. But then I think just, again, that's what you said. Just 
being proven wrong is such a great experience. Just seeing how other people read Andre, how other characters, how other readers discuss Andre. And I realized I was wrong. And there might be a reason I was wrong because whatever I see in him are the things I don't want to see in myself. And I feel like I often see his fallacies because I'm sensitive to those things. And those are things that are probably just either what I don't want to see in myself. So maybe I just very quickly forced, like, form that judgment. But now I feel that this year's reading, I have had such a, like, a milder or more open minded way towards Andre. I sometimes do get upset, but I want to remind myself you cannot just, Again, this is rereading. Like you can bring your old preconceived, you know, concept, concepts and ideas and opinions about a reader. But now I want to reread him as a first-time reader and just say, let me just understand him. Maybe there's things I don't understand about him. Sometimes we are attracted by the opposite of <laughs> what we like ourselves to be. But it's interesting. I do think Tolstoy is this epitome of an author with an eye <laughs> and in all his writing you know especially as it's a part of war and peace you can hear Tolstoy the great thinker thinking aloud and thinking aloud and talking about his idea his notion I, I think the key is he has created these characters and he probably puts himself in the characters in every one of them he creates these characters so well that you can almost forget it's Tolstoy. There's a moment just at the beginning of when Andre went to the like the, the friend, the wartime. There was that really frivolous officer making joke, and Andre just looked at him very harshly. And I could almost think at that moment when I started in that, that Tolstoy probably was a frivolous officer. In the army, he probably got yelled at by someone else. That's why he knew exactly how to write a frivolous person. I think that kind of skill is interesting. Is he not only writes, say, Pierre and Andre and Natasha, these are profound characters with really deep souls. But he also writes mediocre characters, you know, frivolous characters. You have this wonderful observation in the book. You say, some people inspire awe. Others, jealousy, the best ones are those who make us behave unlike ourselves. And that just reminds me of something that it struck me, had struck me in every reading of War and Peace, is how free his characters seem. Even though he's a character, he's a Tolstoy, he's an author who is obsessed with the problem, the question, maybe possibility of free will, characters do seem free to act unlike themselves. Right. And so much of the novel, its drama, its pain and its beauty arises from characters acting in that free, unlike themselves way, whether it's Andre laughing or Natasha falling briefly for grabbing it. Well, so, you know, we've been talking about primarily the initial Tolstoy Together reading, which happened right at the beginning of the lockdown. And now today we're exactly halfway through in the second Tolstoy Together reread and halfway through the novel, but it's to say. And I'm interested in hearing what your own experience of this particular reread has been, how the second instantiation tools are together, reading in a different moment where things are 
opening up a little bit, but not quite fully open, how reading Tolstoy together strikes you this time around? It's quite different, I feel, that in, I think last year, one was, we were all locked, two, there was the election coming up. So the political environment was quite terrible last year. So I, I, I do think last year when we did Tolstoy together, but there were like a group of readers really reading for the big theme of things and the political messages of Tolstoy's, you know, or you can see in Napoleon, you can see our Trump, not our Trump, you can see Trump in Napoleon. So there was that moment that we were living in Napoleon's history, but we were living in our history last year so acutely. I do think this time reading things are a little bit different. One is maybe people are having a little bit more diverse, less isolated. And two, I feel that there's less of that like big theme, politically fraught way of looking at things. You know, it's more about just all these curious characters. I mean, sorry, all these curious readers being curious about things. Mm-hmm. Like someone would just look at fabric. I like there's a designer, fabric designer. She just looks at people, what people wears in worn piece, the shoes, the clothes, the chairs. I think, and then there are people who are curious about, say, opera and the history of opera. I, I, I think this time, it, I like, I always say we're reading miscellaneously. I think this time we're even reading more miscellaneously, but more devotionally because it's where we are at this moment. Mm. Yeah. Curious readers being curious about things together. That's such a perfect summary of the project and such a perfect summary of why it's been such a joy for me to take part in it and to talk with you today. So um, Eve, thanks so much for the work you've done with this and for being on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for being part of Tolstoy Together. I so enjoy your observations. The Commonweal Podcast is produced by Assistant Editor Griffin Olenek and the Commonweal staff in partnership with Sandberg Media. Wally Boudway composed the music, and David Dalt did the editing. For the Commonweal Podcast, this is Dominic Preziosi. <laughs>